This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Total Saints podcast. I'm Martin Stark and each week I'm joined by our panel of Saints experts on all things Southampton Football Club. Once again, we're streaming this episode of TFP live tonight. It's on our Twitter and on our Facebook pages and also on our YouTube channel. So if you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, you can get involved in the conversation in real time using the comments section. Be sure to post any questions that you have for the panel and we'll try and get through as many as we can. Now, coming up this week on the pod, reaction to the defeat at Liverpool on Saturday. And we look ahead to two games at home this week, Leicester on Wednesday and then Brighton at the weekend. But first, let me introduce you to our regular guests. Saints Web is the number one independent Southampton FC website. Steve Grant is the brains behind it. He's currently in Dubai. Heading back soon though, Steve, any chance you can bring some sunshine back with you? Because it's a bit chilly here. I'll, I'll see what space I've got in my case. Um, <laughs> yeah, coming back uh, overnight UK time. So I'll be uh, I'll be landing landing in the freezing cold at Heathrow at about 11-ish tomorrow morning, I think. So uh, yeah, look at, looking forward to three three weeks back, fitting in loads of games. Well, a couple of games to look forward to this week, that's for sure. Uh, League One minus 10 is the weekly Saints blog, which has become a firm favourite with Saints fans around the world. Glenn Delacour <laughs> is the writer. Uh, have you come to terms with the result yesterday, Glenn? Are you all right? Oh, I'd come to terms with the result after about three minutes, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it panned out exactly the way I thought it would. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I've, I've been having a great week. Um, just on Steve's theme of uh, warmth, my central heating broke down. So that oh, was really man. good. Chose the coldest week of the year to do that. So Steve with his, um, like those very small violin stories about how, <laughs> how cold he's going to be after having spending a month in Dubai or whatever. I'm uh, not having any of it. So uh, yeah, it's not not been the most fantastic week. And yes, I've definitely come to terms with the result uh, yesterday. Good. All right, well, we'll put the whole thing to bed soon. Also with us is the Athletics dedicated Saints reporter. That's Dan Sheldon. How was the north of England yesterday, Dan? Was uh, Did the weather treat you well? It was cold, windy. It was mainly windy, to be honest. I, I went up on Friday and um, I went over. Oh, well, I 
parked up, opened my door, and I thought my door was going to fly off my car. It was that windy, and there was fire engines outside the hotel because tiles were flying off. Yeah, it was. Um, That's just Liverpool, to be fair. Yeah, I went out for I went out for a, a, a pint. Just there's a, a bar a couple of hundred yards down the road, and uh, I was dressed up, and I couldn't fathom how many people were dressed down and how windy and how cold it was. I was like, the north is just somewhere completely different to, to what I'm used to. Well, we're glad that you're back safe and sound. Uh, of course, the biggest hello and thank you, as always, is reserved to our patrons, wherever you're listening or watching this week. This is episode 177 now of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. So it was another defeat on the road at the weekend, this time at Liverpool. What did you make of the game, Steve? Um, it was weird. I mean, I think Liverpool were kind of at us as you as I think everybody would have probably predicted before the game. I don't think I don't think there were any huge surprises there. And actually our our system was something that we'd mentioned the week before that maybe we would we would play these wing backs to stop the stop the crosses from deep coming in that Alexander Arnold has, has thrown in. Um, all season has been picking up, picking up assists galore, and actually we we did stop him doing that. It was the problem was that we we let them run through run through the channels um, far too much, and that was that was kind of where we um, where we fell over. Unfortunately, I thought we we looked we looked quite good in parts when we were going forward, but as ever, complete lack of cutting edge. When we had chances, we fluffed our lines. When they had chances, they pinged it in the corner. Um, mm. That was the that was the long and short of it, and that's that's why they that's why they pay. 40 million quid for a um who well for a player who when he first first signed for them was was basically a backup he's a bench player might might play the the sort of dead rubbers in the champions league and now Diogo Jota is for me one of their best players at the moment mm, yeah uh, glenn you were starting to fear the worst weren't you after that first goal went in yesterday yeah though to be fair after the first goal um which again going back to you know we said after norwich that we don't want to throw them anything. You know, we don't want to make it easier for them to score. That first goal was far too easy. There's a couple of players culpable in the in the build-up to that goal. Um, I thought between the first and the second goal, we actually didn't play too badly. We, we, you know, created a couple of openings, forced them into mistakes, pressing them high up. And the second goal was the point where we should have said, okay, this game's dead now. We need to stop chasing them in their half of the pitch and just defend and get to half time at 2-0. Unfortunately, we didn't do that. We carried on. It then and then went to 3-0. The third goal was it perfectly illustrated the, the sort of the mess that we had tactically where we ended up with like a flat back five and just two players in midfield because none of the forwards were tracking back and that allowed Tiago to just sort of stroll onto that ball. Um, sort of, he was half chased by one of the forwards, I think. And Romeo or Moore Prowse had no chance in the center of midfield, trying to, you know, trying to play against Tiago, Henderson, Fabinho, and Jota when he dropped in there. So yeah, third goal was horrible. Half time readjusted, went to four two to two, and it was better. But Liverpool phoned it in for the last mm. half an hour. They 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 didn't need to score another goal, and you know they phoned it in to such an extent that they could bring on their professional substitutes, couldn't they? Um, Oxley Chamberlain and uh, Minamino. So mm. the fact that those two comes on came on shows that the, the game is the game is done, and they phoned it in. So I think overall, probably everyone was happy to get out of there with only getting beat four 0 Yeah, Liverpool are a top team with world class players, of course. Oh. But did we make it too easy for them, Dan, in the way we set up yesterday? 
I don't think that was the initial plan in terms of how easy they were going to score and kind of bypass play. I don't think Ralph thought, well, if we go to a, a back five, it would be easier for them to score. I think there was genuine consideration. It just was clearly the wrong idea. Was it too? Yeah, the, the, they were just out at sea, weren't they? I think Bednarek was just having one of those games where you just thought he's going to get sent off. He's going to do something crazy, do something Should, have been. Should have been yeah. sent off for me. Yeah, and uh, you know, I wasn't surprised to see him taken off at half time. And I actually texted a contact of mine after about 40 minutes of watching Bednarek thinking this has got 9-0 written all over it with, with Bednarek <laughs> on the pitch. You know, we, we've, all seen, we've seen this story before. Yeah. And then, as Glenn said, I, I couldn't work out whether Southampton improved or Liverpool got bored in the second half. You know, we, we saw the same against Man United where they, they could have scored as many as they wanted against United, but they just stopped. They almost felt sorry for them. And you kind of feel it was the same against Southampton. But yeah, I think 4-0 probably represents half of the course. You know, they've, they've beaten better sides than Southampton by that scoreline this year and probably represents decent damage limitation as far as Southampton are concerned. It was always going to be a difficult afternoon, Steve. Were you surprised with the changes in the starting lineup? We had Lianco coming in, um, Peru obviously starting and, and Brogia up front. Yeah, I mean, I think the kind of defensive structure, I think, was kind of what I, what I expected and kind of hoped for in a way. Um, which probably explains why I'm not a football manager. But um, <laughs> the, from, from the attacking sense, I thought he'd go with one central striker. And I mean, to be honest, you could pick any one of the three in that system. And whoever it is, is probably going to be a little bit isolated. But then I thought he'd play probably Redmond, I mean, based on who came, who came on the subs, play Redmond and Teller as the two wide players of, um, of that front three. Because then that effectively gives you the nine outfield players in in defensive roles. Redmond and Teller are quite um, disciplined from a defensive perspective, and they would have given um, the wing backs a lot more protection. Whereas, I mean, Livramento was completely hung out to dry. Robertson got in behind him time and time again, and it was the the number of overloads on that side was. I mean, you you could tell that we'd we'd done work on cutting off Alexander Arnold with his crossing because he he didn't get didn't get the opportunity to put many of those balls into the box, mm. but because we'd shifted ourselves so far to the left, it gave Robertson so much room down our right, and Livermento didn't have a good game, um, was torn to pieces. But if you if you give a give a kid no protection against one of the best um, left backs in the league. I mean, what what are you expecting from the lad? And obviously, he's got Bednarek alongside him, who, as as Dan Dan said, had, a, had an absolute shocker. Yeah, you've also got Sadio, um, Sadio Mane over that side. He ain't bad either. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> yeah. Mane, Mane had a Mane had a good had a, uh, a good first half. He was fairly quiet second half, I think, but it kind of didn't matter at that stage. But yeah, and, and Romeo and and War Prowse weren't able to really get on the ball because they were outnumbered. And I think if we'd had Redmond and I mean whoever, whether it's Teller, Gineppo or or El Yunusi in that situation, then you automatically give yourself a little bit more protection. And I think I think that is probably the the one the one kind of tactical aspect that I think Ralph absolutely got wrong and I mean I know he came out afterwards and said oh it was it's this is all it's all on me I I picked the wrong system I actually don't think the system was necessarily wrong it was just he picked the wrong players in the attacking in the attacking area of the game because it didn't give us enough enough strength well Ralph was clear in the press conference afterwards that he took full responsibility I think for that defeat Dan what else did he did he say about that was do you think he was taking the blame off the players or 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 generally another um another mistake from Ralph there well, he said it in a, in a, he kind of buried it in a, an answer to me that he, he holds his hands up and 
you know, with Ralph, it's not often he he kind of does that. He not that he blames the players, but seldom does he kind of put the put the blame on himself. So I specifically said, is that you taking full responsibility? Not one player is to blame individual mistakes. This is on you. And doing yep, completely hold my hands up. You know, and he said, I could have played any system, but to be honest, they probably would have scored still. You know, he was so effusive about their forwards. And at times in that first half, they are they are just on a different level. You know, he used an F1 analogy, didn't he, in, in, the, in the week? And I think he described it to like a mid-ranking team going up against a Red Bull. It was more like watching a Haas try and keep up with Lewis Hamilton, if, if we're being honest. But yeah, he held his hands up and I don't think there's much more he could have done. I think everyone could see it was his his fault. It was his team. It was his system. And it didn't work. But in his defence, I don't think anything he could have done on Saturday would no. have stopped that forward. That they're, forward so, they're, they're so good. They're the, I mean, they're, yeah. they're the best attacking side in the league by bar none. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they are a joy to watch as well. They're the I most mean, yeah. dangerous. And it, it's not just the you know the. I mean, they play at a ridiculous speed. But one thing, one thing I know is you, you pick up if Van Dijk's got the ball, for example, and, and he switches it out to Salah. It's not. Okay, the ball might get to Salah, but it might not. And a couple of times, Perot got his head in there. But Alexander Arnold has pushed up so far; he always picks up the second ball. So even mm. if even if the ball doesn't get out to Salah, Alexander Arnold picks up the ball, and the attack continues. And then our players are trying to adjust, and they're flying past you all over the place. I think we needed another player, another proper player in the centre midfield. I know Diallo was missing, but it it just seemed to me that the that the problem was, as Steve alluded to, Livermento was supposed to push up and make a midfield four with Ward Prowse, Romeo and Perot. But once but he got he ended up having to run backwards to cover Robertson the whole time. Yeah. And then we ended up with just two players in the centre of midfield and it it was just horrible when they they just you know they I mean Tiago and Henderson. I mean Henderson's not everyone's cup of tea, but he knows he exactly knows his role in that team, what to do. They they're so good when when we attack, they pick the ball up. Henderson and Thiago, they know they, they're going to hit runners. They're going to go forward. They're going to pass it forward quickly. So that so that's their role. And they they just mop everything up. Mm. And, uh, you know, they, they are so good. And Liverpool as an attacking force can can hurt you so many different ways. And if they keep their key players fit, they're, they're going to be in the, sh- in the shake-up at the end of the season to, to win, the, win the big prizes without a doubt. And I you got the Steve, impression... Go on, Dan, sorry. No, I was going to say, I think, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about the defence, but I think Steve made a really important point about the strikers as well. They, they did have chances. You're kind of more concerned about the chances they're missing than the goals they're conceding against... Well, for me, I was more concerned about the chances that they wasted against Liverpool rather than the goals they conceded. They're always going to concede against Liverpool, but it's not often you get, you know, several chances and, and they wasted every single one. That, for me, is a lot more worrying than the defensive performance. If I there think was Ralph alluded to was, the fact that yeah. Diallo was going to perhaps come in. He said there was some things they worked on during the week with Diallo and then he was out at the last minute. So they had to set up slightly differently. So perhaps they weren't as well prepared as they as they could have been, Glenn. But it was just a frustrating afternoon. Yeah, I mean, in, in Ralph's defence, if he was going to pick his normal 4-2-2-2 formation, so Elianusi was out. If you look at our wide players, if Elianusi was out, Armstrong was out. They're probably the first two that get picked. Redmond's missed football because he's been off with COVID and his his, his wife's had a baby. And you've had Gineppo has been injured as well. Walcott's totally out of form and Teller isn't really trusted yet. So if he'd gone with 4-2-2-2 from the start, who who would you have picked? He'd have probably got bad, whoever he picked, bearing in mind, you know, who was available. I mean, he probably would have stu- would have had to start with Redmond and Walcott. Now, who's saying that that would have been any better? You know, Not so us. <laughs> I, do, I do feel that his hands were tied slightly by, certainly by Elinousi and Armstrong not being available. I mean, we could have, um, 
could have revisited the uh, Tino on the right wing and Walker Peters at right back thing, but we're obviously not going to do that. So I, I do have I do have a certain amount of sympathy with the with the late withdrawals, but yeah, it was it was it was horrible, and I, I think he took too long to change it as well. Yeah. You know, at two 0 that was the time to to, to change the formation because it clearly wasn't working. And um, yeah, I mean the game's probably dead at two 0 anyway, but at three 0 it certainly is. Yeah, there are some positives, though. I mean, let's talk about Lianco and Salazu, Steve. What did you make of you know, potential partnership for, for for those two at the back? That, that looked promising. It's, it's kind of difficult to gauge against against a team that's running you ragged. I mean, I think the organisation second half certainly looked a, looked a lot better. But then again, we come back to the context of Liverpool massively taking their foot off the gas. Mm. And so mm. therefore, it was automatically a slightly easier kind of last 30 minutes or so. I mean... Salasu, we've we've kind of said consistently this season that he looks like the guy who is the the guaranteed name on the team sheet in that defence, and it's a case of who plays alongside him, whether it's one of Lianco, Stevens, or um, or Bednarek, or or obviously if we go three at the back, then it's it's two from those three. I mean, Lianco's not. I mean, he was he was unlucky with that with the deflection for Tiago's shot. I mean, I, I suspect Tiago probably scores anyway, even if he doesn't get the deflection on it. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, there wasn't anything obvious that I can remember that he screwed up. Mm. I was surprised um, that he was wearing gloves. I wasn't expecting that if I'm honest. Um, he didn't seem to quite with a gloves player, to be honest, but uh, Ambrosia coming in, Glenn, um, some positives there. I thought, you know, he looked lively as, as we've come to expect from him, but just, it wasn't maybe the right game. It's, it's difficult because he was picked to play, a system now. It looked to me. I mean, Dan will be able to tell me this because he could. He was at the game. It it looked to me like Brogia and Adam Armstrong were supposed to be the furthest forward, and Che Adams was trying to drop, drop deep and 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 get things going. But to be honest, none of those three players are suited to playing in wide areas. They just don't seem to like it, and none of them are suitable for dropping off like Diogo Jota does for Liverpool, for example. So. Yeah, I, I mean that goes back to Steve's point. I, I, I don't think the, the system was necessarily completely wrong. I, I mean, I wouldn't have played that no way. But have not having forwards that were that were comfortable going deeper towards their own goal or playing in wide areas, I, I just think it was a very very difficult difficult afternoon. I mean, I, I do like about Brozio. I do like the fact he's so direct. So when Alexander Arnold did that throw in that didn't reach, it was just like right, that's mine, and I'm going. And uh, you know, I thought I thought he did really well there, and, and was was quite unfortunate because um, was it Canate had a nibble at him, and he could have gone down at that point. I think he well, was yeah, little... you're never getting that in front of the cop, though, are you? No, I know, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah, it might have been worth a go. I mean, we were going to lose anyway. I mean, Allison, uh... Allison's the only keeper in that game that's made a save. Yeah, yeah, McCarthy's had no chance. I mean, mm. to be fair to him, he's had no chance on any of the goals, and I think mm, I only remember... one, maybe. Yeah, he maybe one, one was quite close. <laughs> Mate, he made one save, did he, from Mane? The one he flipped yeah. into towards the top corner. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't think you can uh, you can blame McCarthy too much for that. But uh, I should record that. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Say that again and let me record maybe it. Maybe we will. Hey Dan, we've always got last week, mate. <laughs> Let's talk about the the changes that Ralph made at halftime. Dan, switching back to the the four four two, if you like, Did, was that an admission that the game had gone then? Because you kind of go, well, we're not going to score three or four at Anfield, so this is part damage limitation and part an eye on the next couple of games, do you think? I think that's probably a... I learned my lesson at Old Trafford. Mm. I changed the system at half-time. Do what I need to do. Let's not 
be embarrassed here any more than we need to be. It was just so evidently not, no one could watch that game and think Southampton were, the system was working. Had he not changed it, it would have just been quite remarkable. And I think a year ago, he definitely wouldn't have changed it. So I guess he's evolved over the past year. But yeah, I, I don't know what you can really say about he changed the system because it wasn't working and they were 3-0 down. As I said, I don't know whether they improved or Liverpool got bored. I imagine it's probably a little bit of both, but I lean a bit more towards Liverpool got bored. Damage limitation in the second half, Steve? Is it a case of write it off and, and move on, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's... Given given our relatively recent past, I'm sure there were there were a few sort of slightly twitchy uh, twitchy minds um, in the dressing room at half time, thinking, "Oh God, how many is this going to be again?" But no, I mean we we stuck at it, and it wasn't it wasn't like they missed a hat for the chances second half either. We managed to limit limit the number of openings we gave them. I mean, again, yeah, um, how how much is is that an improvement on our part? How much is um, them taking the foot off the gas. Who knows? I mean, de- basically depends on which opinion you have of whether you want to take the glass half full or the glass half empty approach. So yeah, toss toss a coin, toss a coin on that one. I think. But I mean, we 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 improved. Should have scored one or two again. Second half. Um, I mean, that double miss by Armstrong was just ridiculous. I'm, I'm not even sure the first shot that was blocked by the defender was even going in. No, anyway. I, mean, I, I think, wide, he, I think he scuffed it completely. Although it may it may actually have scuffed into the path of whoever it was that was running alongside him for for a tap in. But it was because it, it was that bad. If, if there was weird, only one, if there was only one defender in the country and he was in another ground, Adam Armstrong would hit him. Yeah. <laughs> it just just hits defenders with every single shot. I mean, if we're talking about poor shots, we've all got a reference Mo Salah's shot. I mean, where he hit the corner flag. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. But I don't know if you would have seen that on match today or the yeah, highlights. Yeah. Well, I, well, I saw saw it um, saw it while watching the game. That was that was pretty impressive. Let's talk about um, McCarthy then, and uh, and that fourth goal. I know Dan, you were asked about this yesterday on the website. I think we're all convinced that we're not going to see a change soon, and Ralph publicly backed him during the week and and you stand by that still Dan that we're, we're not going to see Fraser Forster coming in anytime soon I, I don't I, I just don't see the logic I, I really don't I think they they decided to give McCarthy a new contract he signed it they they decided at the time that they weren't going to go down the Fraser Forster route so I don't know why now unless it gets horrendously bad I don't know why you change it and I think I was actually quite surprised in the week when Ralph came out and defended McCarthy so strongly because he doesn't normally do that, especially where the goalkeepers are concerned. But he made the kind of point that I'd, I'd be making. You can't... Okay, the Norwich game was bad, but you can't just put that in isolation. You also have to think about the other saves he's made, which have, you know, Watford, for example, um, you know, makes that save, Southampton win the game. Yeah, he's, he's not the Premier League's best goalkeeper. He's never going to be the Premier League's best goalkeeper, but he's what Southampton have got. They chose him over over Forster. So why would you go back to Forster? What message does that send to Alex? Oh, we've mm. just given you a new three-year deal. How's this for your confidence? You're going to be on the bench from now on until the summer when Forster disappears. As I say, unless it gets horrendously bad, I don't see why you would change it in the league. I think you've, you've signed up to it, so just go with it. And o- over the course of the season so far, I don't think he's been horrendously bad. I, I really don't. I think he's made a lot of good saves. He's made a, a few errors as well. And I think the Van Dyke goal, it, it kind of did go through him a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't know. It feels like every week I'm kind of in the McCarthy fan club, which I'm not. But I just think I just get bored of that argument. He makes a mistake. Oh, let's pick Forster then. It's got to be Forster as if Forster's the solution to everyone's problem. And it, yeah. looking, looking it's, just a, it's just a, seeing the T-shirt next week. It's just a tired debate. It, it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I carry on with it because I just think it's such a short term 
thing. Like last season, it was, what's Ralph doing changing the goalkeeper every week? Now it's like, well, we need to change the goalkeeper every week. It's kind of like, I, I just don't really buy into that debate. So, yeah. And actually, Steve, Ralph said this week, he said, you don't want to get into a situation where you're chopping and changing your goalkeeper every week. And when I heard him say that, I was thinking, well, that's exactly what you were doing last year. So even he doesn't want to, to go back to that. And so would you would you leave it as it is, Steve? Um, I think so. I mean, for a lot of the reasons that Dan said, I mean, you've the club has, the club has given him a new contract. Forster is out of contract in the summer and by all accounts will be leaving. Um, I don't think, I, I mean, I'd be absolutely amazed if there's any any change in that situation between now and uh, now in June. So yeah, I mean, it's it seems completely counterproductive to to change that now. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's made he's made a couple made a few mistakes in the last um, eight or nine days, but so have a lot of the other lot of the outfield players. Problem is that goalkeepers' mistakes all, almost always cost goals. Strikers, strikers missing an open goal or missing a one-on-one or whatever, you get you you might get another go during during the game. It's not necessarily going to cost you cost you that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean goalkeepers are held to a held to a higher level, which is partly unfair, but also it's it's kind of part of the course. And and every every keeper understands the the situation in that regard. I suppose is that a, a clean sweep from you as well, Glenn? It feels like we've been debating this since August, um, and here we are, <laughs> end of November, March. going into December, <laughs> and we're still well, yeah, we're still talking about it. Um, yeah, I, I I mean Dan made an important point there. He he's never going to be the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, we we shouldn't expect him to be. If he was the best goalie in the league, he wouldn't be playing for Southampton. Let's mm. let's face it. He's. I mean, I I think it's I think it's harsh to blame him for the fourth goal. You know, the two at Norwich were well, different story. But I I think you know, and and ultimately the fourth goal yesterday didn't matter a bit. Mm. So he he may feel he should have stopped it. But uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree. I mean, if we if we do, for argument's sake, sign Sam Johnston in January, then it's another story because it's 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 two goalkeepers going forward who are going to have three-year contracts who are in a fair fight for the shirt but they've decided for this season that that Alex is the man so let's just let's just go with it Forster will save some that Alex wouldn't save and he'll make mistakes that Alex will make I yeah. there's really really very very little between them so let's let's go with what we've got. And, uh, but the, the debate it. will continue. That's one thing we know. That's for sure. Just final word on the game yesterday. I suppose Steve, the defence has been much better this season. It's the goals that have been the problem. Was there anything alarming from the four that we conceded yesterday, or do we just put it down to Liverpool being sharp and fluent? And they did the same against Arsenal last week. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think an attack as fluid as theirs can just completely flummox you. And I think that was the situation we got ourselves into in spells in that first half, whereby, particularly the second goal, I think both Salasu and Perro are caught the wrong side, and then Livramento's not tracking um, tracking his man into the far post. I mean, he's a good five five six yards behind him, he's miles away. So nobody covers themselves in any glory on that goal, I don't think. But it's one of those where you don't know how bad your defence has been until you see that same attack up against other other sides. Mm-hmm. And obviously they I mean they destroyed Arsenal last week. Yeah. Same scoreline. Again, could have been could have been many more if they if they could have been bothered. Mm-hmm. Um but again they took their foot off the gas after they'd after they got, got the um got the fourth goal and were quite quite happy just to just to see the game out. Um so that's the that's the level that, that you're dealing with. Um, when even even a side that's as relatively as, expensively assembled as Arsenal goes there, and when I know I know they've been a bit bit up and down over 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 the recent years, but they're still a 
they're still a good Premier League side. So yeah, I mean, you, we we are we're at a level where you're going to expect to hiding occasionally against the bigger sides, yeah. and it's it's a case of how you ride it out. Dan, I think you wrote this week in the Athletic about the improvements um, at the back and the defensive improvements. Does that game yesterday change any of that, or do we just put it down as, as a one-off? Well, I've wanted to write about that for a while, actually, and it got to the <laughs> beginning of the week, and I was like, well, look at this one of the fixtures coming up. I think we should kind of capitalise on the numbers while they look quite good <laughs> at the back. Yeah, I personally would put it down to, to a one-off. I saw Leicester had a nice confidence-boosting win mm, today yeah. where they scored a few goals, didn't they, which is, is quite timely, but Southampton aren't going to come up uh, an attack as good as that again until they play Liverpool at St Mary's next year. So that's what I would just not write it off because I don't, I don't really like the idea of a free hit. But yeah, yeah. I think you just kind of put that under the they're the best attack in the Premier League. Let's kind of move on. Glenn, we were looking pretty good before the international break. Now it's two defeats in a row, mm. 15th in the table, 14 points. We're sort of looking over our shoulder a bit. A couple of new managers picking up some points too. Should we be a little bit worried going into these next two games? Um, no, because we haven't got any more international breaks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, interesting. it's interesting because Ralph's used the international breaks in the past, um, you know, we, where we've been dreadful and he's used the international breaks and he's got himself, he's got his head sorted out and we've come back and been a lot better. Mm. Now, before this international break, we'd won three and drawn one. It seems like he's taken this international break and, and made us worse because suddenly we're experimenting with this three striker nonsense and we had the, the um, you know, the three, all three central midfielders playing against Norwich. So it, it's an interesting one that he's he's kind of fixed it and it wasn't broken. So I don't tend to look at the league tables much. Maybe, you know, or certainly not until, I mean, I'm old school. I don't start looking at the league tables until about March, um, <laughs> see if we're going to get relegated or not. But um, all, all will look well if we deal with these next two games that we've got coming up. And if you if you win the game that's in front of you, then the league table looks after itself, doesn't it? And that's that's what happened when, you know, I don't know where we were, fourth bottom or something, when we yeah. went on that little run, when we, you know, beat Leeds and um, wherever else it was we beat. Seems so long ago now, you know, and, and suddenly we, you know, a win against Norwich and we would have been seventh. So it, it can change very quickly. And we've got Leicester and Brighton coming up in home games. Yeah. If by some chance we win both of those then we won't be remotely worried about the league table but uh, losing both and yeah if you're that way if you're that way inclined you can start feel feeling quite depressed about things it was just the Norwich one I thought really I think Norwich one is the only one that kind of makes anyone remotely concerned I guess you know they win that then as Glenn said they were like top half of the table and you go to Liverpool and no one cares if you lose you kind of if you lose to Leicester it's okay well they're still a pretty good team Mm. but obviously you know the way the Premier League is and kind of social media it's you feel like Ralph's being judged for his job every single week at the moment so yeah just before we move on to those two games I wanted to mention James Ward-Prowse making his 200 Premier League start at Anfield yesterday just a word on the captain because I know he's come under some criticism but Glenn you were sharing some some stats about him last week and and actually when you, you look <laughs> at the evidence it, you know he, he he's back on form and, and he, he's delivering I think there's a tendency because because he's not someone who's going to rattle in 15 goals a season and because of the kind of way he goes about the game I, I think there's a tendency to sort of not appreciate quite how good he is sometimes we, we had a player a few years ago called Matt Oakley or who I, yeah. I feel was kind of similar in that he was he was quite understated with the way he went about things and people didn't really sort of like appreciate him until he wasn't there you know, you can you can have whatever. He, he wasn't there a lot because he got injured a lot. Yeah, yeah, he did towards the end. He got, he got injured a lot, but with um, and we got relegated pretty soon afterwards. Interestingly, but he um, 
I mean, whatever you think of Gareth Southgate as a manager, he obviously sees something in, in War Prowse to, to have him as one of his sort of four or five central midfield players who he who he thinks are, you know, gonna do a job for us in Qatar mm. later on. So it's not just it's not just Ralph who rates him as a player. I think his his um his fitness levels are, are remarkable and I I think if he if he wasn't there, um we we would struggle if he wasn't you know, if he was out for a longer period of time. So, yeah. you know, fair play to him. He won't remember his 200th game very fondly because he just spent it chasing around, watching these red blurs go past him. But uh, but no, good player and I'm pleased we still got him. Uh, a couple of big games coming up. So Leicester is the one on Wednesday night. It's a 7.30 kickoff, by the way, because it's on Amazon. So um, make sure you get there for that one. What have you made to their start of the season, Steve? Obviously, nice little win for them today. Maybe Jamie Vardy finding his form. It's, um, it's been interesting. Yeah, I mean, my my kind of hope for Wednesday is that James Ward-Prowse spends his entire training round preparation on set-piece delivery. Yes. Um, because we had a number of corners at Anfield on um, yesterday where none of them beat the first man. If he can get the crosses into the right areas, we will score goals from set-pieces against this team. They are an absolute train wreck at the back from set-pieces. It doesn't matter which combination of um, centre-backs they, they're picking. They are conceding goals left, right, and centre from set pieces. Going forward, they're still a, they're still a good outfit for the most part. Um, Vardy's quality um, has been for has been for a long time. Keep but keep stop the supply line into him, and you you can keep him quiet. So that's that's a job for the central midfielders. I see James Madison is uh, conveniently back in form, which is uh, obviously annoying. Um, so someone's going to have to have to keep up with him for the for the evening on Wednesday, but. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if we can if we can cut off that supply line in into the attackers, then we've got every chance because at the back they are ropey. I feel slightly responsible for Jamie Vardy finding his form because I transferred him out of my FPL team this week, so that was always going to happen. They had a good win today. They had a good result in Europe as well. Dan, is it a, is it a winnable game? Yeah, they. I think what's this that they, they, before that game they'd won two and nine, I think, in the league, wasn't it? So hmm. yeah, they're not kind of. The, the Leicester I thought they would be this season. I mean, they did sign half of Southampton's defence, so perhaps that does explain <laughs> why. But neither why are playing. Need, no, I mean, I even, even a defence this bad and they can't get in it. I think they found out quite Bertrand quickly. wasn't even they... in the squad, was he? For today, I don't think. I mean, there's, there's talk that, because you know he had COVID right at the very start of the season and missed a couple of games. There's talk that he's had um, sort of long-lasting effects from that, which wouldn't surprise me. I mean, there's... There's there's been a few players who have who have had issues with with that over the last eighteen months or so. So yeah, I mean if 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 that's the case, then that's that's unfortunate for him because yeah, you you would think that that a fit Ryan Bertrand gets in that Leicester team. Mm. Vestergaard, yeah. not quite so sure, but yeah, I know their fans haven't been overly happy. How do we set up for this one, Glenn? What are you expecting from the the, the team? Oh, I think we'll go back to after getting burned at Liverpool. I think we'll go back to the um, the four two 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 formation and and uh, yeah, well, if, if the wide players are fit, you know, if if Elianusi is available and maybe Stuart Armstrong or whoever, that's I can, I see us, you know, re- reverting back to what we are in the main quite good at. I don't recall if we, of course, last year at home against them. Mr. Bestergaard got sent off after about ten minutes, didn't he? And we had yes. to we had to change yeah, yeah. The, change the formation and um, and uh, just see that one out. But um, so yeah, I mean, for, for me, Brendan Rodgers has had too many choices. They they filled up their squad this year for a, a Europa League campaign. You know, it, it looked like they were actually going to go out 
until they won one earlier on in the week, and then they would have been left they went with, from bottom you know, to top, didn't they? I mean, that yeah, group was a strange group, very strange yeah. group. Yeah, then they'd, they'd have been left with lots of players on three-year contracts and and nothing nothing to do with them. So I think Brendan's had too many choices, and I think maybe he's um, started to believe his own hype a little bit and th- thought that he could put whatever he wanted out on the pitch. I mean, like last year. Ian Acho was the main man, wasn't he? And he was scoring all the goals at the end of the season. He's hardly played this year. He, he yeah. seems to be, you know, very in and out of the side. Vardy has, has struggled the last sort of three or four weeks, but he was back against Watford scoring some goals. Yeah. So uh, Saint194 is watching the stream, says, I don't like the idea of playing Leicester at home under the lights in a storm. So <laughs> all, all eyes on the weather forecast. Uh, for yeah, it, it always seems to be a midweek game. <laughs> Funny yeah. Enough. Yeah. So predictions. I think, Steve, you had 3 0 to Liverpool for the weekend. So I think you were probably the closest, actually. Do you want to go first for the, the Leicester game? Because you're, am I right? You'll be back for this one. Yes, I will be. Yeah. I, I, get I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But... I get to stand, stand in the freezing cold again um it's been a while i i like i like the matchup against their defense i think that's i think that works in our favor it's just a case of how how badly the confidence has been hit after after yesterday and if they've got time to kind of get the system back in back into shape i'll uh i'll go for a win i think we'll i think we'll 2-1 that'll do 2-1 all right dan how do you see this one playing out i think uh, a one or draw Okay, Glenn. Anything other than a, a win or a draw? That only leaves me with a defeat, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I I quite fancy to nick this one, so mm. I'll I'll go one nil and in, and an incredibly nail biting last ten minutes while everyone streams out of the ground. <laughs> well, stick stick with you, Glenn. What have you made? Uh, obviously, Brighton on Saturday. Um, just a couple of minutes on them. What have you made to to their season so far? It's been um, it's been a bit up and down. Yeah, they started very well, didn't they? And they 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 appeared in the top, um, you know, top four or five of the league for a little bit. And now it seems to be settling down a bit. Quite remarkable, con- considering that you know they are a team that could finish anywhere between seventh and bottom. Uh, it's quite remarkable that the, their fans seem to be getting above themselves a little bit and and getting restless with the fact they drew nil nil with whoever it was on um, Leeds on mm. Saturday. Yeah, I mean that just. This seems seems a bit strange that fans get, or you know, teams that don't usually get success get any even a tiny bit of success, and then the, and then the fans seem to go get right up themselves. I mean, it's interesting. Leicester, obviously, they they had some proper success with you know with winning the league and winning the cup, and their fans suddenly get seem to get very entitled all of a sudden. So I was I was a bit surprised to 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 see what went on at Brighton in, in the game against Leeds. Graham Potter is proving to be a very good manager. And you know he's been he's been spoken of as um, as a manager who could do a good job with the you know with the England team when Gareth Southgate eventually mm, decides to yeah. go. So they're a good side. They're a side that you feel that we should beat. But you know they've obviously got something about them. They do seem to be a bit more robust. They do seem to have a little bit more of a goal threat this season. Though it, though it has tailed off a bit the last few weeks. But um, they'll be fine. They won't they won't go down. Um, and I personally i think that's um you know that's that's a step up from where they were last year dan do you think it's got to be four points out of those two games really otherwise pressure's back on ralph if you look at social media it's probably got to be six points from those two games otherwise pressure's on eight isn't it from eight from two two. (laughs) Um, they're both tricky games and they're not they're not easy games um i don't want to say four points is the minimum I, i i don't know i think a couple of draws wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. They're, they're, they're good teams. I think Bright. I think the Leicester game is actually probably more winnable than the Brighton game. Not really sure why I think that, but I, I, that's my thought process at the moment. I just think, 
yeah, as, as Steve said, defensively they're they're all at sort they're just out at sea, aren't they, at the moment? And mm. one thing that Southampton haven't actually been that good at this season is set pieces. I don't yeah. know how many they've scored from, but they haven't scored from maybe one, possibly, if from memories that one they've scored from. Yeah. But not the usual standard you'd expect from Southampton given they've got Ward Prowse kind of kind of whipping them in. But but Brighton, I think, will be a difficult game. I think I like Graham Potter. I thought he went up in my estimation when he came out after that game quite quickly and sort of, you know, sh- shot down the fans that were booing um, mm. and gave them a quick reminder of who they support and, and where they are. So, yeah, he went up in my estimation for that. Two draws, I think, would be good. But I could, although I predicted a draw against Leicester, I could see them beating Leicester, but possibly drawing against Brighton. Okay. Do you want to go first with the Brighton score prediction then? Are you going to go for a, a score draw? I'll or... go for a draw, yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it will be a goalless draw. Goalless draw. Uh, Steve, the Brighton game? Uh, yeah, I'm going with the same. Basically, Brighton oh have reverted back to what they were last season in that they were creating loads of really good chances and just not finishing any of them. I mean, if you saw Neil Mopay um, last night, I think he had two guilt-edged, almost open goals in the first half and he didn't hit the target with either of them. Um, so they're kind of reverting back to type after having a decent start. But we are also missing guilt-edge chances yeah. um, so unless unless one of the defenders decide I mean if Lewis Dunk decides he wants to stick one in his own top corner then absolutely be my guest but otherwise nil-nil nil-nil Glenn do you think it's going to be another dour afternoon at St Mary's yep um, I'll go I'll, I'll, I'll be slightly more slightly more optimistic but only slightly and I'll go for a 1-1 one, one draw a one-all draw <laughs> right okay well whatever happens we'll be back to discuss the results of those games next week uh, that's about it for episode 177 so my thanks as always to uh, to Steve to Glenn and to Dan thank you for your time uh, thanks also to our Matt Letizia tier patrons that's Colt Baker Dave Ernsberger Ed Busy and Phil Cook and also Nick Reed, who's in our Francis Benali tier to find out more about becoming a TSP patron and the benefits that come with that do check out the website this week and also we dropped a bonus edition of the pod it was the interview that we did with the Saints managing director Toby Steele that's still available to enjoy on all the usual channels if you haven't listened to uh, to that yet you can find out and listen again to all the recent episodes of the TSP on our YouTube channel so do hit subscribe if you're watching us on there uh, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening that would be lovely and as always if you do want to get in touch on the socials we are at Total Saints Pods and you'll find us on Twitter and on Facebook and you can email the guys via the website at any time. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching and have a good week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.